Okay. Good everybody. Here we are with Coach Anna Lorimer, Dr. Anna Lorimer. Um, I'll let Anna introduce herself because there's a lot to her um, to, to her title, so uh, I don't want to get it wrong. But um, Anna's been a, a very, very long-term athlete of foot traffic, and uh, she's also now a very, very long-term coach of uh, foot traffic athletes as well. So a vital part of the member of the team, and she's an expert in a lot of fields. Um, so really happy to have Anna on on this discussion and uh you'll note that um this is basically some we're basically going over points that anna put together in an article for us about fueling for an ironman so i'll um add the article link to the to the notes and people can can check that out the um, original document if they want to but otherwise uh sit back and enjoy so thanks anna tell us about yourself so um, I have a PhD in sport and exercise science, specialising in biomechanics, but I have an interest in all kinds of science, geeky stuff. Um, and I do actually have an undergraduate um, in chemistry. So I did quite a lot of physiology and stuff um, in my undergraduate. Um, and so that's kind of where my background is. I will hazard that I'm not a nutritionist, so um, that I don't come with that expertise, um, but I have played around a lot with the fueling side of things because I've got probably the um, grumpiest guts you'll ever come across. <laughs> they don't like um, racing and fueling at the same time. Um, so I've I've done quite a lot of research into this side of things um, over the years of racing, which has been quite a lot um, for now. Um, so, yeah, that's where my interest comes from. That's great. Um, and the thing, the thing that we find is a lot of the stuff the coaches and the athletes know before the scientists have put into papers. So a lot of what Anna says is stuff that she's experimented with and finds what works. And you'll see that this a lot of this information is – um, is come comes out as um, research papers and a few years down the track. So uh, yeah, it's, it's really up to up to date knowledge. Yeah, so I might put in a few little tidbits where I say this is stuff that I would do or recommend for my athletes um, if they come to me when they say that they do struggle with um, gastrointestinal problems. Whereas other people who don't struggle with it, they can follow the um, guidelines um, and they can challenge it. So I do have some athletes who can eat. Uh, really huge amounts when they're racing and then the other ones who struggle and so we have to be a little bit more tailored with what we do um, but it all comes down to practicing um, what you do um, what you're going to do um, beforehand and we'll touch on that um, in a little bit um, so the first thing um, uh, the, the the things that I kind of talk about in the article are looking at um, how much carbohydrates to take on board and why that we need to take on carbohydrates um, and so to start off with, we don't really have that much glycogen. So glycogen is our stored carbohydrates that we carry around in our muscle and our liver. Um, and that's only about 700 grams. And we can't actually use all 700 grams either um, when it comes to race day. Um, the rest of our energy has to come from either breaking down fats or proteins. Um, we don't really want to break down those proteins because that's our muscle. Um, that's what's going to um, make us go. So we don't really want to be breaking that down. Um, but the harder we work, the more carbohydrate, the more we're going to rely on those carbohydrates. And so the quicker we're going to run through our glycogen. Um, so when you're the the further up the field you're wanting to be in your Ironman, 
the quicker you're going to um, run through that glycogen. Um, and so we need to be topping that up because we know we're going to be out there for more than two hours when it comes to an Ironman. And so we need to be taking on carbohydrates. Um, and so we need to be aware of how much to take on. Um, so originally the recommendations were 30 to 60 grams um, per hour of carbohydrates. And that came down to the fact that um, the research found that we can't actually burn more than um, 60 grams of any type of carbohydrate. So if I was taking on 60 grams of glucose per hour, that's the maximum that I can burn in an hour. So just as context, that's basically three gels per hour, isn't it? Yes. So, um, and that's generally what most people would probably aim for um, in a race. Um, and um, the the rate limiting step is not actually how quick, how much we can burn. It's how quickly we can um, absorb it through our intestines. Um, and the reason why it's um, so we've got in our intestines, we've got these receptors or these proteins, which are specific for glucose. Um, and that specific receptor is known as the SGLT1 receptor. Um, and that's <coughs> protein. And that takes. <laughs> Duke's arguing with that one, actually. He disagrees <laughs> with that. <laughs> anyway, we know what his eating habits are like. <laughs> <laughs> that takes that glucose um, from the intestines and basically takes it into the blood so the blood can take it around to our exercising muscles. Um, and that is the thing that is um, slowing it down. If you take on more than 60 grams of glucose, um, then the rest of the glucose is just going to sit inside your um, intestines. And that's when we start to get those gastrointestinal problems or you might have had those sloshy gut feelings. Um, and that's basically because you've got a whole lot of sugar sitting in your intestines. And um, the best case scenario is that it's just sitting there with a whole lot of water in there and it's not promoting dragging the water across into your blood as well. Because when we absorb water, uh, sorry, when we absorb, absorb sugar and salts and things into our blood, it pulls water in with it. So if we're not absorbing it, the water is going to sit in our gut with it. And worst case scenario, it's actually going to pull the water out of our blood and into our gut. Okay, so here's a question. If you're cycling or running in an Ironman and you feel you've overfueled, you've got too many, too much, too much, and you've taken on too many calories, too many carbohydrates, what, what do you reckon is the best thing to do? Like, what would you tell people to do? I've actually had this question. Um, one of one of not our athletes, but someone we've trained with. Um, I was I was working at one of the aid stations at New Zealand Ironman, and he came running past, and he goes, "Anna, Anna, I've got this sloshy gut feeling. What do I do?" <laughs> and I was like, to, "Next to aid stations, ice and water. That's it. No coke, nothing, wow. and then get back onto your fueling system. So just uh, just go for the water. Basically, dilute it all down." allow your body to absorb it and then get back onto your onto your fueling strategy. So if you're feeling like you're overloaded, you can just miss one aid station, miss one fueling um, block in terms of your strategy, mm. see if that sorts it out and then get back onto your fueling um, strategy. And, uh, um, and I guess one thing I, I suppose could work as well is just backing off the intensity a little bit, just the easier you work, the easier, the quicker you, easier it is to digest. 
Yeah, because materials. the other thing is we the, if we're working really, really hard, we're actually directing some of the blood away from our intestines and to our muscles. So it does make it harder for our um our, our body to absorb it, particularly by the time we get to the run. So that's at the back end of the run is generally when you start to feel have these problems is because everything is starting to shut down a little bit because we are pretty much trying to kill ourselves. Um, <laughs> we're, we're trying to take ourselves to that that point just before then. Um, and so the body is starting to go, eh, hang on a second, what are you trying to do to me? Um, and so it's starting to struggle a little bit. So yeah, so backing okay. up the intensity a little bit can actually help as well. And another thing I, I get, I think it's quite relevant to I mean New Zealand, but I'm sure it's the same. And I think in Kona, it's probably similar as well. Is a lot of the A stations that we have just happen to be placed immediately before a hill. Um, and certainly on a run course, there's A stations, um, you know, within a couple hundred metres of going uphill. And the harder you work, the harder it is to feel. And so I guess course knowledge becomes so important because it might be that you decide at that A station that's prior to the hill, all you do is you take on that water and ice and you just yeah. maybe miss those carbs. Or like, so I actually have, um, I have a really strict fueling strategy. So I have, I time it. Um, it's programmed to my watch. The alarm goes, I I take my fuel. I have, I have that fuel that happens when that alarm goes. And it doesn't matter whether I'm in an aid station or not. I take the fuel on then and then I get the water at the aid station or I get the water and coke at the aid station. So I always have everything um, based on time and it doesn't matter what's happening. I'm, but then I'm going to wash it down with water once I get to the aid station. So, so are you running with a bottle? No, um, I I used to, but I don't anymore. But I only um, I feel with blocks on okay. on the run now, and they're a little bit easier to deal with in terms of that side of things rather than gels. Gels are a little bit harder. Hmm. Um, but that comes down to how how frequently you're going to be taking on um board the carbohydrates as well, and I'll talk about that a little bit um um later as well. Um, so the recommendations of what they found, um, so that's just if we're taking on board one type of carbohydrate. So glucose is our preferred type of carbohydrate for our muscles to burn. Um, it's really, really easy for our muscles to turn glucose into energy. Um, basically, because of the way it works, um, glucose is a six carbon um, carbohydrate and it ne we, we need to basically turn it into three carbon carbohydrates. What um, a number of people have found, and I've put some links in, in the article to um, one, a sports nutrition um, expert who's done a lot of research and he has some really good blog posts and some really good, just um, easy to understand infographics would have, which have been put together. Um, you can follow him on Instagram as well. And I've put a link to his Instagram on the article as well. Um, and what they found is that actually, if you look at what some of the elite cyclists are doing, and there's even some examples of um, some of your top um, athletes at Kona doing this, is they're taking on board more than that 60 grams of carbohydrates per hour. And that's actually improving their performance. But um, the, the key thing for that is that in order for us to avoid those gastrointestinal problems, is that we need to be having a mixture of carbohydrate types. So we need to be having glucose. That's our primary carbohydrate. So 60 grams um, per hour of glucose. And then we want to have another type of carbohydrate. And that's generally fructose. 
Um, and so this is where we get, this is the science behind the two to one fructose um, ratio that you tend to see advertised on some of our um, different sports drinks and sports gels that we have. Um, Morton has brought out one which is a, um, a 1 to 0 0.8 ratio. So that means you can even you can have even a little bit more of those, that carbohydrates if you can tolerate it. As a result of this research, they've actually trialed it in cyclists and runners, and they've found that you can tolerate up to about 90 grams per hour of carbohydrates. Um, and that will improve your performance because you are able to basically create more energy for your muscles to um, be able to burn. Am, so, I, am I able to just go into a dairy and get two bottles of Gatorade and double double what I would normally have in an hour? Why so it, it basically depends on the ratios uh, that are in that drink. And um, so I've on the... Um, on the article, I've done a table of a number of uh, common different types of sports drinks, gels, chews, and bars, and looked at what their ratios are, um, what the different types of carbohydrates are. Um, some of them are just look at just using predominantly um, glucose. Mm. Now, if it's glucose, if it's maltodextrose, or if it's sucrose, it all behaves the same way. Okay. So it's all basically your body has seen it as glucose. So it needs to have any of those types of gluco uh, glucose products, as well as some kind of fructose in there. Right. Um, so when it comes to whole food, and by all means, if you want to use whole food, there's nothing saying that you can't. It's just a little bit hard to figure out what those ratios are. Um, but anything that's got like your dried fruits or things in it, that's going to have some of those fructo that fructose in it. So it, we are going to have some ratios where we've got to, a higher level of fructose in it. Um, and I, so there's a few of the bars and a few of the like the Cliff products um, where they've used say tapioca syrup and um, rice bran syrup. So those um, syrups are basically they've taken um, tapioca starch or rice bran and they've um, digested it with an enzyme. So we don't actually know what the ratios are. Well, the, the they might know what the ratios are. I can't tell from the label what the ratios are. Um, because it depends on how the enzyme has broken it down as to whether it's broken it down into predominantly glucose or a ratio of glucose and fructose. Mm. Um, so they're, they're a little bit harder to tell what those ratios are as well. Whereas the ones who have actually advertised here, I've done a two to one ratio or I've done a one to, one point, uh, to, one to 0 0.5, one to 0 0.8 ratio. Those are the ones we know which have done deliberately put in the fructose to give us these ratios um, to work with. Right. Um, but some people like to have some solid food um, because, you know, you're out there all day, um, you can get hungry, um, and so you might want to have some solid food. The thing to be aware of um, if you're having uh, real food or the bars is that um, the higher the protein and the fat content in those bars is the the it's, it is going to slow down the absorption of the carbohydrates a bit. Um, so the more fat and protein there is in there, the slower that absorption is going to be. So you might want to um, couple that with something that's really high absorb um, or quickly absorbing. So something like a drink um, or a gel, which is predominantly glucose based, so it absorbs really quickly. So so do you think like just your everyday muesli bar? 
is is going to suffice, or do you actually need to go down the the technical energy bar line for that? I think you can get away with um, the everyday music bars to an, a point, but you do need to kind of be aware of how much carbohydrates you're getting from them. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it is about just kind of looking at the the nutrition. Um, uh, information so it's it's that total carbohydrates you're looking at um in terms of how much of the total carbohydrates and then the um the sugars is the simple sugars so that tells us how much are the, are the quickly absorbing carbohydrates that, which are in there and then if you've got a muesli bar that that has honey in it that's going to have a higher fructose content in it because honey is high in fructose um, if you've got a muesli bar that has those fruit, uh, dried fruits and things in it, that, that's going to have um, a slightly higher fructose content than one that's just kind of oats based or oats and golden syrup or whatever. Right. So it's kind of having a bit of a lip and awareness. Um, the thing with this, the um, sports specific stuff, yes, it's a bit more expensive, but we know what's in it and it makes it so much easier to track how much we're getting um so it makes it easier to plan that that fueling and your nutrition so why so do you not do you recommend that i don't um go as cheap as i can and try and minimize my my, my expenses on on sports fuel in my training and just just wait till race day and then i can splurge out <laughs> or should i do i need to spend money in the months and months prior to my race to use this stuff yeah so that um so that kind of brings me to one um, one of the questions that often comes up um, when I talk about this higher um, volume or this higher number of aiming for 90 grams per hour. So one of my athletes actually posted her um, fueling strategy over a half Ironman um, recently, like I think it was Sunny Coast last year. And she got a lot of response back from the community going, oh, my goodness, that is so much. Like, how do you eat that much sort of thing? And she was like, I just, I train like that. Mm. Um, and that's the thing. Um, so we often joke about nutrition being like the fourth discipline. And you can actually train your gut as well. So it is actually part of the discipline. Um, so you can start between five to 10 weeks out. And I would, depending, uh, obviously it depends on your bank account. It also depends on how um, how nervous you are about it, I guess. Um, and you want to slowly build up how much carbohydrates you are giving your intestines basically because our body is actually really really good at responding to what we give it like we train our muscles get bigger and stronger if I give my intestines more carbohydrates it's going to go well I need to respond to these higher carbohydrates so it puts more of those um those proteins which um, transport the carbohydrates into the intestine cell wall so I can transport more carbohydrates across so if I train in my, and it just needs to be those big brick sessions. So your big Saturday or your big Sunday sessions where you're using more, more similar to your race day fueling strategy and you're building up towards your race day fueling strategy. And you do really want to have practiced a full race day fueling strategy at least two to three times um, because you want to know one, that you can carry it all if you need to carry it all, if you're not going to pull off the course, and two, that you can get it all down. 
three that your body can cope with it so that you're not going to get these um, gastrointestinal issues um the other thing to bear in mind is if you are doing this gut training, so training your gut to cope with higher levels of carbohydrates, you can't then be doing a low carbohydrate diet for the rest of the week because basically you're trying to tell your gut absorb more carbohydrates. So if you then do it for the rest of the week where you're not giving it carbohydrates, you're basically negating that hard work you did on the weekend. That's so good not, advice. It's not go crazy. You don't have to have a really high carbohydrate diet. It's just don't go really low carbohydrates over the week because that's just going to negate everything that you've done. If, if people are umming and ahhing about the expense of that, then just, just put into context, $1,000 spent on nutrition will probably make you go a lot faster than $1,000 spent on a new helmet and a skin suit and aero socks um, and all these things that people see and people will be impressed with. But what people don't see is your fueling strategy. And if you spent the money and invested in it and you invest a lot in the sport, and if, if that big, if that large investment is in your fueling, then you know, you're going to give a get to the finish line in much better shape faster. Yeah. And that's and what will impress people more. The more confidence you have in that fueling strategy, mm. whereas like the suits and stuff that there's something that you don't need to have as much confidence in. Whereas particularly if you've had a bad experience and and most people have had a race where they've had something go wrong where they've felt sick where they've you know where they've underfueled and felt nauseous where you've overfueled and felt nauseous something something has happened where they've had some sort of fueling um, issue so that's one of those things where you are generally nervous about it and so you want to have confidence in your strategy you want to have it nailed into place you want to go this is what I'm going to do at this time this is how I'm going to do it. It just needs to be second nature. The other thing to be aware of is that by the time you get onto the run, and particularly the second um, the second half of the run, as Kelly would put it, you're a bit doodally. Like, <laughs> um, you're not thinking straight. So things start to, you start to have weird and wonderful thoughts. And you want to be able to go, no, I just have to do this. I just have to do this. I just have to do this. Mm. rather than humming and hawing about what I'm going to do you don't it's not about making decisions you don't take this and I'm going to decide on what I'm going to eat you just go I'm eating this I'm eating this I'm eating this I'm eating this mm. so that's a good that, that's a really good thing and it brings me to a question that I've often wondered about is is there do you see any reason and okay do you, do you prefer people to, to to drip feed across the duration of the race or do you like people who front load when they're feeling their best, freshest on the bike, to, to try and get as much of those calories and those carbohydrates in as they can. So later on, when they, maybe they do miss the odd A station, they do fall off that cliff a little bit, they're not, they're not already down at, at, at the depths. It really does depend on the athlete. So it is easier to get your calories in on the bike. So and um, so definitely have a really solid fueling strategy on the bike and that is a time when you cannot miss a fueling a fueling um gateway sort of thing um because it is a lot harder to get in enough nutrition on the run and we know that like particularly if you, a part of your nutrition strategy is going to be coke then who knows how much of that goes into you <laughs> um it's like throw it at my face and hope some goes in my mouth sort of thing um so um, we we want to be able to know that we've got 
yeah, it's a lot on board during the bike so that when I get off and I'm going to go on to my run, I'm I'm in a good I'm in a good place with my nutrition. So I definitely would make sure that the bike is um a place where you know your your nutrition is really, really good. And that's also a place where if you are going to have um problems um that with um gastrointestinal problems, it's gonna happen on the run more than on the bike. Um, so you probably could aim for those higher levels um, on the bike. And then maybe if you're a little bit worried, go for slightly lower levels on the run um, because it, it can be hard to get that amount in. Mm. Um, the other thing is to be aware of is, so I tend to go for slightly more of a drip feed um, type of approach because, as I said, I have the grumpiest guts in the world. Um, and, and I fuel um rigidly every 15 minutes um so um on the bike on the run every 15 minutes and I have a certain amount that I'm taking on every 15 minutes um and it is it is measured out it's marked on my bottles and then it's two blocks every 15 minutes so that I get um a certain amount and I know exactly how much I'm getting every time um so it just depends on how um you're going to go about it um and so people who struggle a little bit with um problems with the gastrointestinal um I tend to go for a more of a smaller amounts, but very often um, because it's just taking the pressure off a little bit. Um, whereas other people who can take on board a whole gel and not have an issue, then we can spread it out a little bit more yeah. because the problem with having it so often is we do run the risk of carb fatigue. Yeah. So the other thing to be aware of when we're taking on so much carbohydrates is that you are having sweet stuff for yeah. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, whatever it is, hours. Um, and so you do have to be aware of the fact that you are going to run into issues of getting sick of flavors. There are so many flavors that I cannot go near, like <laughs> vanilla. No, don't ever go near me with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, would hate, I, you would hate the old perpetuum orange vanilla flavor. I mean, it got warm in Kona. It was the worst right. thing I ever drunk in my life. I had to just chuck the whole bottle out. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I had I had one um, gel at um, at Rock, which um, because we had to hand the bottles in um, early uh, the day before, it went, it actually fermented and the oh. like, it like bubbled as it came out. I was like, ah. <laughs> oh, no. So these again, these are all things to be aware of when and knowing the course because like it, it was just something that didn't come across like didn't even feature because I didn't realize that I handed in my special needs the day before yeah. at Rock. Um so there's all these sorts of things to just just be aware of when it comes to your fueling strategy and and then having those backups to um be able to um back it up. Um so yeah. Don't when you're practicing your fueling strategy, don't use your favorite flavor all the time because by race day, you're probably going to hate your favorite <laughs> flavor. Um, the other thing to be aware of is I often um, tell my athletes to if you're going to use electrolytes, then have one bottle of electrolytes per for every one bottle of water. Um, so the electrolytes, um we have, they do add electrolytes to your gels and your blocks and things like that. So technically we probably don't need to be taking on electrolytes. Um, but the thing with electrolytes and the salt in particular is that it makes it really easy to drink. And particularly if you're racing in a hot, humid climate, um, climate like at, at, at Kona, 
Um, you want to be stimulated to want to drink. Um, and so that's where the electrolyte drinks come in real handy is that they make you want to drink more of it. Um, but again, it's most of them are sweet. Whether it's because they've got sweetness added to them or because they've got some a small amount of carbohydrates. Don't rely on those carbohydrates as your carbohydrate um, source because it's a very small amount. Um, but they do, they are still sweet. Um, and so you want to have something to wash that sweetness out of your mouth. I actually put a little bit of salt in my water because I am weird, apparently. Um, <laughs> but I use that salty, slightly salty water to wash the sticky sweetness out of my mouth. Mm. Um, again, it's just about to try and trying to dull that um, carb fatigue down a little bit. Um, so just Again, it's about playing around with different strategies. Um, you, um, having something else in your pocket that is like a Marmite sandwich or like salted potato or something like that. So something that is completely not sweet so that if you just really can't fathom putting another gel in your mouth, wow. you have something with carbohydrates that you can eat. Mm -hmm. um, because the, there are times when you just cannot swallow another gel. Um, so there's those things to be aware of as well. And remembering it's about trying to minimize all those little irritations. So thinking about when you're out training, particularly when you're practicing your fueling strategy and you're training, think about all the things that irritate you because you want to try and minimize those on race day because they're going to irritate you so much more on race day. That's Yeah, that's really good stuff. So, okay, so someone's wanting to... to tighten up a little bit on their fueling, the best thing you would recommend at this stage is calculate what 60 grams of carbs in an hour will be. And maybe this weekend when you go out on your long ride, start using that and, and make some notes about how you felt, how you ran off the bike, and then just yeah. work up from there. And you might find that you've, your magic number is 105 and you stick to it. Um, yeah. But yeah, take, take the time. And the good thing is people that are doing late, you know, late, late year Ironmans or into next year's Ironmans, there was plenty of time to do that. Uh, if you're racing an Ironman in three weeks' time, it's probably not not, not the best. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I know a lot of our listeners here are, have, have a long-term goal for Ironman races, so they're prepared to put the time in to, to get that right. Um, that's really good, Anna. That's some awesome advice. And, you know, I've been doing this sport for a long time, but I still learn stuff. And as you've mentioned, a few things <clears throat> which, which I hadn't really thought of before as well. So... Um, I'm hoping that everybody who, who watches this and listens to this will take some of that on board and, and find something something that will improve their fueling strategy. It's been a pleasure and I hope, <laughs> it, I hope it's helpful for somebody. It will be. <laughs> Thanks so much. Well, I look forward to uh, doing another one of these. We'll, we'll find another topic. And this, this, this one actually came through from one of our members who asked, asked me for some tips on Ironman fueling and and I thought a great opportunity to rather than just just go back with with a simple response from me, let's let's put this into uh, a um, a call like this. So if anybody has some other questions that they'd like answered by either Anne and myself or some of our other expert coaches, then please comment, um, send me a comment and send me a message, and I will uh, put it on the list of things to do because uh, I think this is really really valuable information. So thanks so much. We'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs>